a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This, indeed you are, Paul, is Fan Effect. Hi, welcome to another episode of Fan Effect, sponsored by Larry H. Miller Megaplex Theaters. In our humble opinion, the best place to watch a movie in the state of Utah and maybe in the entire world. Mm -hmm. But I've only been uh, to a couple places to see a movie outside of Utah. So I know it's the best place in Utah. Hi, I'm Andy Farnsworth. Joining me for this episode is Kellyanne Halverson. Kellyanne, welcome. Hi. And we are here to talk about the big movie of the month of March, I'm pretty sure. And uh, probably the biggest one, at least as far as... Our core audience of fans is concerned, and that is The Batman, not Batman, not any other monikers, just The Batman. (laughs) Going back to the original. (laughs) Now, despite the deluge of Marvel Cinematic Universe over the last 10 years, and uh, whether you like them or love them or don't, uh, you can't argue how big they've been and what kind of a box office draw that they've been. The only DC superhero over that same period that has managed to, in my opinion, maintain the same level of popularity and box office draw is Batman. Now, Wonder Woman comes close, but uh, Batman, he's got it built in. And uh, I would argue that initially Wonder Woman wasn't that popular until her movie came out. Yes, yes. Whereas Batman has managed to maintain it despite the Marvel uh, influx. Oh, yeah. However, it's been over 10 years since he's had his own movie, though he did make appearances in the crossover uh, Zack Snyder Justice League universe with Ben Affleck's Batman. But this is the first time he's had a solo outing on screen. At one point, it was supposed to be Ben Affleck's version of Batman in a movie. At one point, Ben Affleck was going to direct it and or write it and whatever. And then everything fell apart. And Ben Affleck's not going to be Batman except for in The Flash. There's a whole. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a whole it, other It's like a soap opera with Flash the DC uh, Entertainment Universe. Is it extended or entertainment? The DCEU. DC Extended Universe is for is these ones. Extended, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. And yet, through all of this, Batman, the animated cartoon in all the Justice League, and DC's great creating mm-hmm. animated movies. Why they can't turn that into live action right? I'm is beyond me. I don't know why. Don't Just take the same script and put actors in for crying out loud. We want a good long Halloween Batman or like, give, there's so many good characters in Batman. Let's go to some of those other characters. Let me give it a Nightwing. Let me get Robin. Well, those are going to require more setup. We'll get yeah, to that. But right. anyway, so that's where we are. The Batman, directed and written, co-written by Matt Reeves, who up to this point was most famous for uh, his uh, helping create the Planet of the Apes universe. Mm-hmm. And I want to say he directed, I remembered this after I had written my review, but he directed something else that was fairly notable. Uh, uh, anyway. It's Cloverfield. That's what it is. He directed Cloverfield. I always, is in my brain, thought J.J. Abrams directed that. He just created it, but it was Matt Reeves that directed it. I didn't like it all that much. I'm not a big Cloverfield fan personally, but... Makes me dizzy. But he did it, and it was popular, and you know there were some people who liked it. So it's not like this is his first j- job directing. And before we dig into anything too much, I do believe, and, and there will be criticism and some disliked stuff and some likable stuff, but um, the, we're not going to just say nice things about the Batman. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, I, I may be the positive one of the two of us on this one, and Surprising. I'm not going to be like gushingly positive, but nevertheless, I do, and, and I'll say this later, I do believe Matt Reeves put a, a great effort into it. I believe it was sincere. It was it was sincerely made, mm-hmm. him trying to do a good job. I uh, I don't think it was a shameless cash grab. Um, Same with Robert Pattinson. He really believed in, in that Batman, the, the Batman he created. Yes. Mm-hmm. And 
so we'll talk about all of that. Um, just for those of you who are fans uh, and wanted to just get our spoiler-free thoughts, we'll do that really quickly mm-hmm. here at the beginning. So let's uh, let's listen to a clip from The Batman. I've been trying to hurt you. Tell oh, you're really not as smart as I thought you were. It's only going to get worse for you. Don't throw your life away. I can take care of myself. Maybe we're not so different. Who are you under there? I'm vengeance. Now, the first thoughts that I had, and maybe... You know what? I think I'm going to end up with a more positive spin. So why don't you go first on this, Kellyanne? And then we can wrap up with something positive on the spoiler-free portions. So tell me, without giving away any spoilers, what was your thoughts going in and then what were your thoughts coming out? Maybe that's the two best things so people can at least uh, use that uh, in their so any thoughts. anyone who knows me knows I'm a huge DC Comics fan, particularly Batman. I want to work for DC Comics one day um, and help them clean up their act. Um <laughs> Okay. And so I went into this and I kind of had just wiped away all expectations as I was trying to come in on a blank slate because I was a little hurt over them kind of abandoning, you know, the Justice League universe and, and kind of abandoning and restarting things over and over again. So I'm like, OK, I'm going to go in. I know it's going to be a different one that I like. And it definitely was different. Uh, it's not my Batman, but it's it's a good Batman. I'm sure he's going to be the Batman for some other people's. Uh, I, there was certain aspects of it I really liked. It was it was more of a detective story, and I loved some of the interactions. Like uh, you see all the ads, you see Zoe Kravitz as as Catwoman, and she's amazing. So the interactions between them was really wonderful. But at the same time, it just felt a bit long for me. Some of the music was like uncomfortable. Some of the everyone keeps calling it gritty. Uh, and I felt I felt. As I don't know if money. the music was gritty, but the film, the the movie itself, yeah, is gritty it's, and mm-hmm. it, gritty. I felt it was muddy. Okay, well, it did rain. It seemed like in every shot. So yeah, I, I guess muddy would come naturally from gritty getting uh, wet, like it did. But at the same time, as I'm looking at it, there's a lot of stuff I really do like about it. I just don't think the Batman's my Batman. And it's definitely, you know, Pattinson's Batman. Well, he's and the Batman. Batman. He's the Batman. It doesn't matter. I think it's yours. It's like yeah. the Ohio State University. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. And for listeners who, who want to know State, what that means, like, my Batman is Kevin Conroy Batman, the animated series Batman mixed with some of the comics, some of the iconic comics. That's like my Batman. Okay, but now you have to pick a live action one. I have to pick a live action one. Yeah. No. You have to. You got I, like five to choose from. You got to pick one of them. Uh, people are going to hate me for this, but I really came to love Ben Affleck's Batman. I liked the older, more mature Batman. I, I liked he had, well, he, he had kind of this stiffness. He also had a little bit of a sense of humor with him. And so What's I, your I, superpower? I'm rich. That's so funny because it's I true. I like that. Like, I like that. <laughs> where this one just wasn't my Batman. And maybe it's also I didn't like his haircut. So, yeah. Batman so, doesn't have a haircut. Yeah, but Bruce Wayne does. And that's no, the thing. No, but I'm, that's a different. There, we'll, we'll talk about this when we go into spoilers because I think that's a really good distinction to make. And really, if you look back over all. Well, but as you look at all the Batmans, you, you have to almost consider the actor in both roles, yeah. the role of Bruce Wayne and the role of Batman, because, I mean, technically, there are separate people. Mm-hmm. He even thinks about and it. And even like some that, of like the filmmakers yourself. have tried to explore that whole like, dual identity and. I don't think Reeves did particularly in this one yeah. too much about it. It was mostly Batman with an occasional appearance from Bruce Wayne. Yeah, and I think that's what I was missing too. So, Well, and then as we spoiler dive, we'll explain why because yeah. I think there were some story reasons for that. Mm-hmm. Whether you agree with them or not, I do think there were some story reasons for that. So I definitely think it's something – You going you in, see. were you on the fence going in? Were you excited going in? Were you like, I, was, I just don't think this is going to be any good? Just meh. Like, I just was trying to go in kind of flat, not really expecting much, not expecting little, but, like, I was trying to just experience it is, is, is what I was trying to do because I'm a little hurt <laughs> by by my favorite fandom here. But overall, like, fans, go see it. I You know, make your own choice about it. There's some really good elements to this film. There's just some stuff I was a little disappointed with and some stuff I, I didn't agree with. I thought the music was distracting. Some of the cinematography was distracting. That That's what I mean by muddy instead of gritty. Go see it, though. Like, I'm excited to hear 
what you think because I think it'll help me consolidate my thoughts. Well, for me, I thought the strength was in the casting. I did. I oh, did the like. Villains were fantastic. I did like each person that they had cast in all the key roles. Um, didn't feel like anything was a throwaway. John Turturro was a good oily Carmine Falcone. You know, Jeffrey Wright was cool as uh, as Lieutenant Gordon. Uh, so I like Pattinson much better as Batman than I did as Bruce Wayne. I actually think as far as like being Batman on the screen, it, I I, th- I liked him better than Christian Bale wow. um, as far as being Batman on mm-hmm. the screen. I was never a big fan of Keaton's Batman. I think it's grown on me over time, yeah. but just sort of like everything, even stuff you hated when I it like first Keaton's came Bruce out. Wayne. 20 mm-hmm. years later, you don't hate anything as much 20 years later as you hated it. 20 years ago. <laughs> so, you know, I'm excited to see Keaton's Batman in the couple of projects that he's coming up in in the movies to, just to see it again. But I remember thinking I liked Keaton better as Bruce Wayne than as Batman. But that was also he was coming off like I'd only seen him in Mr. Mom and some mm-hmm. of his other comedies. So the idea of a comic actor being Batman was weird to me. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't comics like comic books. It was comics like, ha, ah, make me laugh. Yeah, a little back, back to more you know, of the Adam West 60s. was fun, but that was back when they kind of embraced the, the bright, colorful, campy nature. And, and that actually is kind of one of the reasons that I couldn't like the Batman more. <sighs> Whether you like or hate Marvel movies, and I love Marvel movies, mm-hmm. they do understand the entertainment aspect of things. Criticized Justice, the original Justice League, the one with Joss Whedon, and it was worth criticism because there was a lot of things that sucked about it. But having there be some playful interaction between the characters was not one of the bad things about the Joss Whedon. I was actually sad when the whole thing where uh, uh, Arthur Curry sitting on the lasso of truth, confessing his feelings, and you don't know that till he gets off and was like, "What the?" <laughs> like that was the kind of stuff that needs to be in these movies because. Right? When it's all said and done, these were superheroes were created for kids. That's what they were created for. Mm-hmm. They weren't created for grownups. Mm-hmm. We've kept them with us as and especially my generation and, and, and really probably the generation of 10 or 12, 15 years right before me coming up to this. So not my parents generation, but somewhere between mine and my parents generation. Those of us have kept going and growing up with this and we want the stories to grow up with us, too. Yeah. And they can. I mean, that's the great thing about some of these characters is that they become adaptable. You can go with some of the goofy stuff or you can just look back at the goofy stuff from the 60s, 70s and and maybe the early 80s. But then as the readership continued to age, either the comics companies themselves decided, hey, they've got more money now than they did as teenagers. Why don't we cater to them a little bit and create some stuff that they want to read? And that's where you get... The Killing Joke was about 1988, I want to say, yeah, when, the, yeah. when it came out in the comics. X-Men was taking kind of a darker turn through the middle part of the 80s in their comics run. And then Batman Year One, Batman Return of the Dark, the Dark Knight Returns, Dark Knight Returns. suddenly mm-hmm. has this grown-up, more serious world problems. You know, Batman's not trying to punch out the latest villain. Death in the Family happens in yes. 1989. Mm-hmm. So suddenly the, uh, the, the, the readers have gotten older, but they still like reading it. And so stories start to cater towards that audience. And then Marvel figured that out. And I'm just yeah. spitballing here. I don't have any numbers or anything to back it up. Just my experience in reading the comics. You know, X-Men seem to be ahead of the curve on, you know. But they're always ahead of the curve because of compel- social issues. Well, they and were. Like I don't in. think they are anymore. Yeah. For me anyway. In the mid-2000s, when Brian Bendis took over the Avengers run in the comics, that's when the Avengers stories grew up, and they became an interesting team. And he said, like, I think I read somewhere once, he said that, uh, they they said, take whichever ones you want, pick anyone you want out of the toy box and and make a team. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly those stories were interesting because villains became more equal to the power level of, of the of the of the good guys, and then suddenly they, there was chances they could lose. Now, Batman was on that. Death in the Family, 1989, mm-hmm. suddenly ele- and, and Killing Joke suddenly elevates Joker beyond cartoonish to psychotic. Oh, yeah. And, and that's that was the one co- we know nowadays. And that's cool, yeah, yeah. sure. And we liked it, and it was popular, and it, it remains popular. But now bringing it back to Batman, Batman was no longer for kids at that point. Yeah. Now... And this one's not for kids. Now, to be fair... 
you did have the animated series, which made a whole generation of fans mm-hmm. in the early 90s. So that was right well, after Death in the Family. You there was a that. little bit darker. It was the same with me. So we, I had the animated series that led me into more of the grown-ups. So you grew up more of the comics of the 80s. I grew up with the Well, and I grew up the watching 90s. the Super Friends and the Batman TV show, sure. which was completely goofy. <laughs> And so, and maybe that's part of the reason I wasn't, I was, I was 13 and a half when Batman came out with Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. I was surprised that it did so well because that same summer, uh, Ghostbusters 2 and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade came out and it was going to be a big summer. Batman was like, eh, people are going to see what it is. But then Batman just blew everybody away wow. with total dollars when it came out. And I remember, I, 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 I didn't hate Batman, but. Of the three movies, when I was 13, that was number three on the list, and by a pretty good distance. Mm-hmm. I didn't – everybody was gushing about Nicholson's Joker, but I was kind of looking for that similar feel to everything that I had watched up to that point. And so it didn't the, – the, the sort of well, the noir, like set in the 20s style architecture, that didn't – I didn't really care about that one way or the other. And, you know – Batman looked weird because he could hardly move. And it was the first time I'd ever seen, you know, in the comics, Batman has like almost a 360 degree on his head. That Whatever that cowl is, mm-hmm. it doesn't hinder him turning it his head as all. definitely feels more fabric. <laughs> but, you know, anytime Batman had to turn in the movie, it was like his whole shoulders had to turn with his whole head. Like, if he has to look up, he almost has to like squat down and look up at the ceiling because his, it, there's no, it was all hard rubber. So. Mm-hmm. There was there was a bunch of things where it didn't feel right to me, but it was so popular. And then then that leads to Batman Returns, which mm-hmm. then leads to Batman Forever. And then it kind of goes off the rails with Batman and Robin. We don't talk about and then it takes eight years before Batman Begins, which was we I love, which I really enjoyed. Yes. Batman Begins when I yes, saw it, yes, the yes, Dark Knight. Yes. It took me a while to go see just because I had heard about the higher level of violence and the kind of psychotic. I've only nature seen it once for that reason, but like I enjoyed it. But ooh, it's harsh, <laughs> right? And and I at least understand why people enjoy that. Again, I think it goes to that that mature. It was the people who'd grown up with Batman and wanted to see Batman doing harder stories. Mm-hmm. And Christopher Nolan took like a hard look at that and said, all right, well, what is the Joker? And he kind of used the Joker persona from the killing joke because that was sort of yeah. the same theme of the Dark Knight was him trying to say, Batman, you're only as good as your worst day and I'm going to give you your worst day. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing it to Gordon, he does it to, to Batman. To Batman. Mm-hmm. And and I liked that. I thought I thought as a mature Batman story, it was certainly really good and mm-hmm. You know, Ledger playing a crazy Joker and, you know, so I I think that the key line from that movie that actually <laughs> it's the line from Alfred that that makes the Joker memorable to me is when he's like, you know, Mr. Wayne, some people just want to watch the world burn. Like you, you keep trying to find a motivation and there isn't one there. There are just people who only do this to sow chaos. And and, and that helped me watching the movie. OK, OK, I get this because otherwise it's just a. To me, it felt like, ooh, the Joker does bad things. Let's have him do lots of bad things. See, There's a couple of moments in The Batman where I felt like it was starting to creep toward that level again. But... Yeah, and it and that's what a lot of people are comparing this version to is the Nolan versus Batman. The the more based in reality, gritty kind of Batman that, that you see there. So me going in, it was... Batman's not my favorite character, and I sometimes, like Boba Fett, think that people go overboard... And their love for him. I love Spider-Man, but and that's certainly my favorite superhero. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't just everything Spider-Man. Oh, it's so good. Uh, I, I don't know. You gotta have I a little just, bit of when you really love a character, you want what's best for them. And so when you get something that's not uh, as well written or kind of is not true to the character, you get a little disappointed. But like, you still love the character. I, I think it shows your love even more. It's just like you want what's good for your family. <laughs> no, and and I'm also one of the fans that's more willing to sort of take, at least to take the ride that the director wants to go on. Yes, yes, yes. Even if I'm like, hey, this feels like this story. Oh, it's not going in the direction of that story. Um, you can feel, you know, balance disappointment with, all right, well, let's just see where it goes then. And, you know... If you're saying Batman does this, then let's see if you keep your own rules. And I, I, I've said this in the Spider-Man podcast. I've said it. I don't believe that superheroes should exist as a one superhero in an entire world sort of a thing. I know mm-hmm. that's how it has to work 
generally to make a movie out of it because of licensing and all the money involved. So I, I understand why we do it. I just think that it, it, it puts one hand behind your back yeah. as you start out. It was the the biggest drawback that I felt for the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, for the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, and for, I mean, even, you know, until they crossed over the DC, Superman. And, yeah, definitely. I mean, Superman, at least you could say, okay, and if an alien person came to Earth and he was the only one, totally how sense. would we react to it? <laughs> okay, then, then you could suppose that. But the idea that a regular person gets a power and then they're the only person in the history of the Earth that's ever gotten a power and now they have it. Mm-hmm. And so for 2,000 years, no one's had a superpower. And then suddenly somebody does. And then somebody somebody else does. And oh, and it just so happens that they'd be a, a villain to that person. Oh, and Metropolis and Gotham are only like an hour from each other. <laughs> I can live with that. It's a big lake between them. But <laughs> but it, then it's at least a shared mm-hmm. a shared universe. And, uh, you know, we went for years in comics without wondering why every single villain that Batman fights, why wasn't Superman there? Mm-hmm. Or or why didn't the Avengers show up to every big thing? You, sometimes the X-Men had to save the Earth. Sometimes it was the Avengers had to save the Earth, and the two didn't cross each other over. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. So I find it a little funny that people get bent out of shape watching the crossover movie universes, wondering, why wasn't the Avengers there for the Eternals? Wouldn't that big giant head in the, or hand this in the is ocean? This story. Get over it. Uh, right. Like, it's just, in the comics, they don't always <laughs> respond to every threat. They just don't. And what's the reason? Uh, they were asleep. Okay, sure, fine. And <laughs> so this Batman, it remains to be seen what happens with yeah. this Batman. But it's... <sighs> Batman's probably one of the few heroes that could exist, at least on his own, as far as he doesn't have a power. So he's a sort of self-made person. But I I still prefer it to be part of a crossover universe. So knowing my thoughts on that going in, I was worried uh, as I going in knowing it was going to be three hours, which is why I thought it was one of those, oh, my gosh, these people who worship Batman – Three hours? Do we really need three hours? I'm still not entirely convinced we needed three hours. Me too. Uh, I will say this. Uh, there are no post-credit scenes that you need to stick around for, so that'll shave 10 minutes there's, off there's the runtime. But, but you don't have to stay it, yeah. for it. it. It has nothing to do with plot. Yeah, it's yeah. more of an Easter egg on you when you yeah. when you stay. Um, so that'll save 10 minutes off of the total runtime, <laughs> because otherwise you'd stay all the way through the credits to see the, see the scene. Uh, the other thing is... I just felt like there was a few too many endings. Like there was times yeah. where I felt like I was going to, if you remember Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, when you're like, oh, this was, must be the end. Oh, there's more. It's still going. Oh, well, this definitely oh. must be the end. Oh, nope. Mm-hmm. There's another one. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how the Batman felt as it got towards the end. It's kind of like they was, took a whole story arc and made it into a film. And so where you have kind of the, the denouement and the conclusion for each individual story and then like the massive one at the end, like it didn't translate as well to the screen so it is like you feel like you had a lot of endings along the way if i'm being honest i kind of felt like i watched a batman miniseries yeah in one city oh my gosh i think you just un- unclicked everything but yeah so there was a lot happening yeah. so three hours it was like three one-hour episodes mm-hmm. if you wanted to look at it that way um but it didn't it didn't necessarily feel like this is a movie that now we're coming to the end I didn't feel like, oh, this is so long. I was really careful about how much I drank earlier in the day, <laughs> knowing that I didn't want to have to get up and use the bathroom because I wanted to see everything. But um, so that I, I didn't notice the time as much that way. But I did admit I, by the by the very end, by one of the second or the third ending, I, I was kind of like, OK, I'm ready for this to be over. Now. Yeah, I was. Ch- I had my Fitbit on. And I, I wonder what's going to finally time. be the yeah. end. And so. Uh, it wasn't a miserable three hours by no, any stretch no, of the no, imagination. No. It did feel a little too long. Uh, I, I I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I was mm-hmm. kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah. I don't know how many times I'll ever watch it again. I guess it depends on what they do with the character down the line. Um, again, I thought the casting was good. I I did like. I mean, Paul Dano's Riddler was a, he was a psycho. So good. And it was it was a it was a cool psychotic thing you too. Punch him in his weasley little face. <laughs> exactly. Well that's a good villain. <laughs> um so there was some stuff I liked and there was some stuff that I disliked yeah. and I'll, I'll dig deeper in in the deep dive. So there's our uh, spoiler free talk. I don't, I don't believe we gave anything away story-wise that should affect you just sort of our thoughts going in and our thoughts walking out. I I, I will say I was surprised at the vocally negative reaction by some of the other critics when we finished our screening. 
Only and me because... turning to you go, I feel like I've... <laughs> What did I say? <laughs> well, no, you're like, I feel so conflicted. I was like, it's okay if you didn't like it, Kelly. And you, <laughs> I feel like a traitor is what I said. I like yeah. immediately turned around. I feel like a traitor, Andy. It's okay. <sighs> and that's part of the fun of all this is everyone can everyone can like it or dislike it. I bet there's some people this is going to be their favorite movie the entire year. Right, and right. that's okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. not disparaging. I'm not saying it shouldn't be. I'm just saying it didn't connect to me. And maybe we'll talk about it more uh well, no, we'll save that for the spoiler free because I don't want to say this part yeah. until people have seen it. So if you haven't seen it, then this is all you're going to hear. You should go away and go see the movie and then come back and listen to part two where we dig into the spoilers here on Fan Effect. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. All right, we're talking The Batman, Andy Farnsworth and Kellyanne Halverson. Uh, you've listened to our spoiler-free portion. Now it's time to dig into spoilers. So now this is where we can be a little more specific about what we liked and what we didn't like. Um, I'm going to start off with the thing that was just fresh on my mind from what I was just saying. And to me, the biggest, the biggest difference to me between what was how I felt watching this versus how I felt watching other superhero movies that I loved. I knew by the credits of Spider-Man No Way Home that that was going to be one of my two or three favorite superhero movies ever just on the first watch. And it was as I was trying to think about the Batman and why I was just kind of ambivalent, uh, the things that it did well, like the Batman fighting scenes. I really liked how Pattinson decided to kind of have Batman be really measured and like he didn't run into things until it was like the big fight at the Gotham Square Garden at the end. But up until then, everything was methodical. He kind of almost stepped one foot in front of the other and they kept showing his feet when he comes out of the shadows to fight the guys on the subway. Mm -hmm. And he's just methodical. And when he comes to the crime scene, he doesn't say anything. He just kind of looks at everybody. And when somebody tries to be intimidating, I actually was I thought that was one of the cooler things is when somebody tried to intimidate him or something. He just kind of took that extra beat to just stare at him a little longer on like not giving away any reaction it's more stoic. one way or the other. And, and I thought that was kind of cool, but um, it, he looked right in the bat suit. He had the right kind of jawline, I think for Batman, or at least how I imagine it anyway. Um, but the Bruce Wayne, no, like this emo kid with the long hair and, I, I said right after, like, where does the hair go? How do you fit that underneath that ma- that cowl <laughs> he has to without, gel it back. without the eye part getting, like, pushed up because, you know, you got so much hair under there that it doesn't come down all the way. It was ugly hair. <laughs> I can't believe I thought about that, but that's what the movie forced me to do mm-hmm. was to think, where does that hair go under the mask? Mm-hmm. Why isn't it a little bit shorter? Yep. They did keep his eye makeup, though, which is something that they, they haven't really done before. Where... Uh, they did that in Bale. I did notice. Yeah? Okay. Um, but like they made it like he like, had that was the first time I ever noticed that they had eye black because I never thought about it that way before. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's a mask, you, you right, have to be right. able to darken that. I know, I hadn't thought about that. Like, I just assumed in the comics, the mask just like goes right down to the mm-hmm. eyelids or whatever. Yeah, and I, I liked the, the physicality of him in the Batman and everything, but he didn't switch it up when he was Bruce Wayne out in public. He didn't like, do anything he, as he, Bruce Wayne, hardly. Like, the funeral was it, basically. And I'm like, he's moving the same way he's moving as the Batman. Isn't Gordon gonna like totally? notice that like but i did like him at like at the physicality as a batman so still awkward (laughs) that's that was the the, one of the things i liked i thought that jeffrey wright was good gordon Mm -hmm. since everybody was growling 
Jeffrey Wright has it a great almost, voice for growling. It was almost a parody when it came to the way they all read their lines. Except Oswald, who is fantastic. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. unrecognizable Colin Farrell. I mean, literally unrecognizable. I actually, I knew Colin Farrell was in it, but because he was so unrecognizable as Penguin, I was like, wait, who does he play in this movie? You have to really look at his eyes and then you're like, oh. I don't think you can tell. I couldn't even tell that way. I thought it was, uh, no, just, I thought it was Joe eyes. Pesci with some like prosthetic makeup <laughs> on his face to make it look thicker. So good. So that's that's a pretty good job by Colin Farrell. Um, they kept everything kind of grounded in reality, so the Penguin's not the Penguin. They're not really caricatures of themselves. Mm-hmm. Gone is the Jim Carrey in the tight green suit with question marks on it mm-hmm. and the bowler hat. Mm-hmm. Gone is the uh, the Penguin who eats fish raw. And, <laughs> and that's fine. I mean, they decided to go with that aesthetic. I don't I don't mind that at all. It was more of the mobster where that's the nickname is, is kind right. of what it felt like. Yeah. And he runs a place called like the North Pole Club or something Lounge. like that. The Iceberg Lounge. Yes. Where it is. So there was something that had to do with cold. Mm-hmm. 44 below. So Iceberg Lounge. That, all of that stuff worked. And that that was fine because they were kind of keeping it in a reality-based thing. Batman mm-hmm. didn't have – he didn't really have a ton of gadgets. I mean, other than his – other than his grappling hook. Yeah, like the bangering, uh, battering. battering, thank you. Which which <laughs> was his symbol, actual cool. symbol. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he didn't have like a utility belt. I mean, he had the, this thing on his wrist and mm-hmm. maybe he shot fire. One movie's so long, I can't remember every detail. And but. a grappling hook, there was a thing on his wrist and he had an um, EpiPen. With a, and a shot, with adrenaline. Uh, with adrenaline, yeah. Um, well, that was a pretty go. clever thing, was, actually, I thought. And he had the port built into a suit. Oh, yeah, so knowing he was going to have to use it at like, some key moment. That's clever. <laughs> and his cool contacts, which are from the comics as well, that recorded everything and helped him identify. That was cool. Yeah, that's some pretty uh, – fan. okay, that, that's that's some tech. That's a good point. Yeah, the contacts yeah. that, that send audio and video somehow mm-hmm. very clearly. I don't know where the battery is on that thing, but it's fine. I'm going to accept it. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> Again, just things you have to take on faith. And, and that's okay. I mean, this is, we're breaking down a three-hour movie. Well, now, the science behind it. <laughs> oh, if only, man. Do a whole but series. they didn't go into the mysticism that the, the mm-hmm. Nolan trilogy did of Ra's al Ghul and, the, you know, the symbolism. He, uh, this is Batman. This is Batman in year two, essentially. End of year two. Uh, he's not... He's not quite sure what effect he's having on crime. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is definitely a film noir style, straight down to a voiceover from the le- the main detective. Film noirs were usually detective movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has that film noir usually happens stuff at night. Um, this probably could have worked as a black and white movie. I, although I hope yeah. they don't do that. It was close <laughs> enough to black and white as it was. Uh, then we would lose the color of the sunsets. Uh, Zoe Kravitz, I thought, was really good. Very um, much like how she's written the comics right now. And it also could be that they tailor the comics writing to fit the screen. Yeah. I've noticed that there's a little bit of corporate synergy. That's fine. Why not? If you're going to have somebody watch a movie and say, I want to see the comics, go to the comics and find a similar character. It was when Spider-Man 3 came out in 2007 whoa, suddenly Spider-Man was back in his black costume in the comics for a short little run Mm -hmm. because that's what people were going to be looking for. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's smart. The the job of all of this, when it's all said and done, is to sell stuff. Mm -hmm. It is. Mm -hmm. So we love it. And what we hope is that if they're going to spend, if they're going to try to get me to spend my money, they're going to give me something that I feel like is worth giving my money for. Uh And very often it is. But... Well, and going back before I forget the whole Zoe Kravitz and the way she does Catwoman, um, it is very much portrayed as it's written in the comics, which is very much like the manic pixie fantasy girl, daydream, tough girl type, type feeling too. So that is one thing to to be aware of as, as the how she's written very much towards the male <laughs> aspect, but at the same time she has the, the a good strong female feel to it as well as she's trying to save her fellow friend and, and that's and really working an motivation. agenda of her own that and we, working we her find own agenda yes along, yeah yeah trying to find out who her father is and mm-hmm. well she knows who her father is he apparently doesn't know mm-hmm. that she's his daughter um but she's pursuing some hello daddy <laughs> before he just thought yeah that's disturbing to even think too I much don't about, want to that. Think about too much of that <laughs> so for me the negatives were there was I just didn't feel any emotional connection to anybody, none, and that's what the difference was between 
No Way Home, which is it's going to be its closest comparison because Batman's going to make a lot of money. Yeah. Spider-Man's made a lot of money. And, you know, laying aside Marvel versus DC, it's not about that to me. It's, you know, I I spent 43 bucks to take my kids to see No Way Home. But I'm not going to spend $43 to take them to see Batman. And you wouldn't want to. I'm not going to take the younger ones yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um. And there was like, there was no humor. Like any humor was almost accidental. And it was already in the trailer. So there was like no surprise humor. Right. <laughs> well, actually, I actually avoided the trailers for several okay. months. So I've watched the trailers since. In fact, the trailers are cooler now that I've seen the movie than, mm-hmm. than I felt like they were when I was first watching it. But um, the things that took me out of the movie was uh, Batman's hair, or Bruce Wayne's hair. And this was... It's a it's a nitpick, but they they went to such lengths to show the physical toll that it took on Bruce Wayne's body. You know, they kept showing him shirtless with all the scars and bruises, mm-hmm. which is good because it's a reminder he's not Superman mm-hmm. as far as that goes. But then the problem is he acts like Superman sometimes. Mm-hmm. That scene from the trailer where the muzzle flashes are going off and he's fighting some guys in a dark tunnel. So, like, really, you're just seeing flashes of him beating these guys. They shoot him from like three feet away with fully automatic machine guns right into the chest. Now, I get that he's got body armor. I'm not expecting that to blow his heart out the back of him. But, but you can't take the no. physical concussive force. For that one, that one. But for know, two oh. of them, like he, he doesn't even fall down. He takes full m- machine guns to the chest and doesn't even stagger like. I, I get that it's superhero. I get that. And, and he's I, human. I we accept it. But don't spend half the movie showing me how physically demanding and how it hurts. Like when he does the bat wing off oh, the I building and he, he crashes the in the side. Yeah. And, he like, limps away. and then he limps away. You think that taking two full machine scene. guns. He doesn't limp in the next. <laughs> right. So that that was just. I did write that. Really the, the one towards the ending when he's fighting uh, in the arena and he gets like shot like point blank in the chest. Like like. Inches away, basically, you'd be dead. I'm sorry. That like even I'm trying with to Kevlar, think. I, I want to say that the adrenaline ha- would, was even after the adrenaline the, was after. the machine gun to the chest. That was the one that I said, okay, now now you're turning him into Superman, right? And you you shouldn't do that. Don't show if you're. It's fine if you want to have him shrug off machine gun blasts. Okay, but Just, don't spend the other half of the movie showing me how physically demanding and punishing it is for him, mm-hmm. and then have him shrug off something like that. It looked cool. There's yeah. no question. Maybe if they were a few. Like pistol shots, mm-hmm. but a machine gun fire from point blank range in the chest, and it doesn't even slow him down or stagger. And that just that was and when he had his that was a off, little bit he had harder scars, for me to but accept. no new bruising or new cuts. Well, the movie was so black and white. Maybe he did, and we couldn't tell. The makeup artists were like, "I painted that guy's chest with black and blue forever, no, they're, they're and you like, can't even see it." I painted it. that guy's chest. Yeah. <laughs> No, he they probably cute. didn't do that, or else they wouldn't have that job in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably one of the screening questions. Now, imagine you're touching Robert Pattinson's chest. Okay, thank you. We'll uh, we'll call you. <laughs> that. So those were the distractions for me. Um, as a grown-up watching it, the detective story was cool. I liked the puzzle portion where they. You know, they're trying to figure yeah. out how to resolve it. I liked Andy Circus as, as Alfred. Yes. Um, I'm glad he's not dead. I think he's not dead. He's not dead. No. Pretty they close. Hands in the hospital. He's um, you know, he's always Batman's human conscience, like the reminder of, of Batman, of Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne's humanity. Like, hey, Master Wayne, mm-hmm. you know, he, he dispenses the stage. He's essentially Bruce's father figure. They even acknowledge that in this movie. Well, and he, like, he rejects it in this movie. He's right. like the emo. He's like, you're not my dad. Like, oh my gosh. Did they just put that in the script? <laughs> hey, oh. father-son conflict is at the heart of so many. Have you ever seen Mythic Quest, the show on Apple TV Plus? That's a whole running it's, joke Yeah. Uh, in the video game that F. Murray Abraham is the writer for is. And through the whole first season, he keeps trying to explain to uh, uh, to Mac from It's Always Sunny, uh, Rob McElhaney's character. Don't you understand? The rev- rivalry between father and son is it's an it's a universal concept. Mm-hmm. And so it's just funny that it's been in Star Trek now. It's been in you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at Peter Parker's always searching for oh, a, yeah. for a father. It's figure. Part of the hero's journey, man. Yeah. 
Which is unfortunate when you're actually a father of kids and you, you're trying to like be a positive influence on them. And they're like, I don't need you, Dad. Spider-Man, Batman, they don't have dad. Are there any positive fathers? Uh, Kal-El, except he's dead. He's his dead, yeah. Dead, so, uh, well, no. yeah. Well, and then Generally, he, has, no. he has John Kent. He has his father as well. So Superman has like two good, good And they fathers. both die. And they both die. Yeah, wow. Because the the hero's journey means you have to leave the, the whoever is your mentor, your tutor, whoever is your your role model, you have yeah. to go out on your own. Well Wonder Woman has a politic, so I'm I'm happy with and that. She's as, immortal. as girls have it. So we're good. See? It can be done. You can <laughs> have can a parent who's alive and good. That's a good thing that Wonder Woman isn't Disney because her mother would then be dead. True. Because that's what Disney does to mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, They're getting better at it. So the Riddler, sadistic serial killer, so begins murdering key political figures in Gotham. Bat- Batman investigates. He's brought in because there's a letter left at each crime scene that says, to the Batman. Um, so he has to solve the puzzles. Uh, he wasn't the world's greatest detective, even though this puzzle solved. Alfred solved some key stuff. Penguin even makes fun of him and Gordon at one point. Like, mm-hmm. world's greatest detective? Like, you guys are terrible at this. <laughs> And that's fine. Batman can get better. It's year two. We what's can assume rat, that he's going to get better. Rat clue. It's I know. Like, I thought oh a, bat, gosh, a rat with wings. On. I was like, uh, that's a bat. Yeah. <clears throat> Very common. Like I knowledge. thought that is first time they said it. But uh, the puzzle goes along. They eventually resolve it. They eventually identify the Riddler. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a step behind him until uh, until he kind of lets himself get caught. Mm-hmm. And they realize and then, they are a step even more. Behind. And then I thought the best scene of the movie. That was non-action was when Batman and Riddler are talking to each other. That's where the scene where Pattinson having to kind of keep his cool while it appears again, this is if you've listened past the spoiler mark, this is a major spoiler. I don't want to take away from you from watching the movie. So don't listen to this part. But when he's toying with him and he keeps saying Bruce Wayne over again, that's even in the trailer. Right. Bruce Wayne. Like you're sure that he knows and you're like. What's Batman going to do about this? How's he going to react? And then, you know, then comes the reveal of he's the only one we didn't get. Right. And you're like, oh, oh okay. Like you, then you can kind of exhale for a minute and you know that that's how Batman is exhaling. And I, like, I th- totally thought he knew. Because yep. that's, that's something some of the comics And that's why I thought explored. it was the best part of the movie <sighs> was, was the whole tension of, well, this is different. The The villain knows the identity. Mm-hmm. This early in in the series or in the you know in the movie. Well, and even I thought he knew it back at the 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 rat with wings clue. So the whole right. time I'm thinking he knows and Batman's going to figure well, out. Well, and they he set it do. up well visually oh, by so showing good. the different pictures on the wall at the Riddler's place. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, having who is the Batman with pictures of Bruce Wayne and uh, you know all these different things. And then when he's like just going off on Bruce Wayne. About how the, tri- the the privileged orphan mm-hmm. versus all the other kids who, you know, having a billion dollars would certainly soften the blow of not having any parents. <laughs> uh-huh. Imagine you don't have the parents, you don't have the money, and then they're going to shut the house where you live down. That's a great point. Well, and it, it connects to the comics in the Court of An- Angels story arc as well. Court and of so- Owls? Sorry. Yeah, thank you. Court of Angels is my favorite one of my favorite places at Disneyland. Um Court of Owls. <laughs> you didn't uh, see Carrie making a, a an arc with her. Every time. Court of Owls. <laughs> oh, but, which is also one of my favorite. And so places. this was something I didn't know until after I did research since you brought that up that uh, there were story elements of this from The Long Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that year was sort one, of the Long Carmine Falcone stuff is from year 1. Your one's more of that, yes. And then the long Halloween is the stuff with the Riddler. I mean, I knew uh, it took place on Halloween. It's like the cards as soon as and they stuff. said it was on Halloween, I was like, "Oh, I wonder if this has to do with the long Halloween." But I haven't yeah. read it or watched the cartoon version. Well, either. it takes over the the comic story arc takes place over a full year, but he does the thing oh, okay. where he's sending like there's like homages to the different holidays, like in the cards and stuff, and kind of. Um, so they didn't. They didn't go. follow any single Batman story, start to finish, for Which the I Batman. Which I liked. It was a good mixture of them. Right, and that that's something that Marvel. Did. We're at the point. I mean, we you could call it postmodern, but we're at the point in superhero movie releases and superhero movie. I don't know the universe of superhero movies that we now live in, where we've got enough of our own stuff that we're not so 
worried when they take something from the comics and change it. Mm-hmm. They kind of want it. That was something that we had before. Well, yeah, because we know the story. Well, yeah. if you can take some cool things and give me a new surprise. Yeah, which they did really well. Yeah, and and at first I was complaining about Civil War being so early in the Marvel Cinematic Universe list of movies because I thought that was so cool. But what I thought made it so cool in the comics was all the history behind it and all the impact it was having on characters and you know, Spider-Man revealing his identity and all these different things. Uh, but Marvel did a great job of taking enough of the DNA to call it Civil War, but making it their own. And so now I'm not like that anymore. I'm not, well, that's not how it went in the yeah. comics. I actually like that it's not how it went in the comics. I know how it went in the comics. It's more fun to, ooh, this is different. Yeah. So I've, you know, gone from my gut reaction of, well, that's not right. The only exception that I continue and will still make is how they have treated Venom, but that's another podcast. <laughs> I need to finally they see those. They have changed so we that, can and it has you. bothered me. But, um, but this, I, I didn't know enough of Batman's lore mm-hmm. to recognize those things. So, uh, story-wise, start to finish, it was a good mystery. Batman solves it. They catch the bad guy. Uh, Joker shows up in the cell. Like, can't they go more than two movies without having the Joker in it? And they did it like an Easter egg. And like, oh, this is obvious. Wow, I wonder who we that know. is. <laughs> I'm a clown. Huh? It would have been more cool if there was like subtle things in the background or something, you know? Oh, well. Oh, well. It would have been more cool if it was just somebody else. <laughs> true. True. So, at any rate, I, I, I liked how it went. I didn't like... I just didn't feel connected to it. And when didn't, it came yeah. to the end, when I walked out, I didn't feel a connection to the movie that made me want to give it a higher rating. Now, where where I finally felt connected was when Gotham was under attack, when we knew that the levees were going to be blown and the city was going to be flooded. That see, was when I was like, finally that's like, too far. right? It, I, I had this problem. That's more than two thirds into the film. I had this problem with. Um, uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. At some point, it just gets to be too much. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just too much happening. There's the world. You, the monsters have gotten so big that, you know, at this point, I can't even comprehend it anymore. It's just Batman fighting a dude. Batman trying to solve a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Batman having to beat up 10 guys instead of just one guy. Fine. If Batman had to fight the whole arena and fight his way out of the whole arena against like 10,000 people and he somehow does, I'd have just been like, come on. <laughs> so they capture the Riddler and then he blows the levees. Has Gotham been underwater all this time? Is that a new thing? Well, they've had I don't that know enough of Batman's mythology no man's to land, think that hush, it's Amsterdam they, kind of a thing. Yeah, it's more like Louisiana. That, oh, that okay. feel to it. Yeah. But... <laughs> Then all of a sudden the thing's flooding and are people dying? Is that you know this isn't something you can really hurriedly undo. And the final you the can't flood just is like that's not that. Put deep. up some put up some pumps and pump it right back into the ocean. Like this is this is a big you know this is knocking over the Empire State Building kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. You just don't get to rebuild that in in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And Which so, is what they're setting up for a sequel is is how would they deal with that and the, the power struggle that would happen as the city goes under chaos. Um, that's No Man's Land, as I believe the comic that that one would be over. All right. Yeah. If you want to read it. Well, maybe I do. I just, <laughs> I just, that's where it got. And, and especially because now we're, uh, you know, two and a half hours into a three hour movie and suddenly now we've got to deal with the dam breaking. Um, you know, the Riddler copycats make sense. I thought that was a kind of a clever use of where things are today. Oh, um, yeah. Having Thomas Wayne stuff be on YouTube, those kinds of things, you know. You have to be okay with the sliding timeline, you know, of Batman was a kid in 2002. Oh, that's so weird. Right. But you, you got to be all right with that. It wasn't 92. It wasn't yeah. 82. Yeah. He has to be, you know, yeah. because he can't be, he can't be in his mid to late 20s nope. in 2022 and have been born <laughs> in 1960. You know what I'm saying? So. I'm okay with the sliding timeline. I understand that these things have to be, they have to be done in order to to have a modern movie. But I thought it was kind of, I felt like it was a better job of showing a fringe element 
without specifically calling out a real world fringe element portion. Yes, yes, yes. It was it was a better neutral job instead of just what was the movie recently that was so blatantly obvious that it was like you might as well just call it what you're what you're making it out to be. Mm-hmm. It was some other movie recently where oh, it was um uh, don't look up where oh, yeah. you might as well put the Republican logo on the stuff you're making fun of because you're literally doing that. Mm-hmm. This one was a little more neutral. Like, a little subtle. He's like, hey, you know, anarchy, the, the class warfare, mm-hmm. all the Richies are going to be in the in the arena. Get in there with your guns and, and take them out. Mm-hmm. Um, that was believable. Whatever that mask is was pretty right? like Hannibal Lecter kind of mask. Well, and, and with the way the glasses that, that they all had on over it, it looked a lot like um, kind of Talon as well from – Court of Owls, so that oh, was okay. cool. Mm-hmm. So, I, on the balance, I was more positive than negative, mm-hmm. but there were plenty of negatives, and and really just the lack of levity and right? the lack of emotional connection for me was why I couldn't go higher. Yeah. Um, plotting wise was good. Uh, you know, it was a believable Batman the pace kind of could story. Have been sped up. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Uh, maybe too many things were going on uh, that they could have. Uh, dealt with uh, Catwoman's relationship to Falcone mm-hmm. and even Batman's relationship to Falcone. That feels like something they could have teased at in this movie and set up for another movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know what factors go in. I don't know where DC or Warner Brothers comes in and says, hey, we're going to need Batman to do these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. You can't just well, go where the, you can't free, just right? go where the story leads you because the best stories are you go where the story leads you. But that's not a, a realistic thing when you're going to spend a couple hundred million dollars or a quarter of a billion dollars to make a superhero movie. Yeah. It can't just be a slow plotting detective, mm-hmm. even though I think that would be the best thing. You can do that. And that's why I like that you said that it reminded you of of a miniseries um, is because it very that's what you get in, in a miniseries. Each season is like a story arc and you get the, the small relief along the way and stories along the way. And, oh, this is a Catwoman episode. This is a, a Gordon episode. And then um, you you get the big finale, denouement. So here's a controversial take. Batman works better as a TV show than a movie franchise or 100%. series. 100%. Because you get more into the characters, the background. I mean, think the, about what you themes. said earlier. Why are you a fan of Batman? Because you watched the animated series. Mm-hmm. 150 episodes of a half an hour each. Mm-hmm. Little story here, get to know a character there. They managed to create um, Harley Quinn out of nothing mm-hmm. into something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that I don't think maybe her character would have worked. They wouldn't, she without, wouldn't have had screen time. Her, she wouldn't be a popular movie character like she is now. If she had just appeared first in the movies. Yeah. Um, I I think Star Trek works better as a series than a series of movies. Yeah. I think Star Wars has worked better as movies than series, mm-hmm. but they're doing a pretty good job with the series. Um, and, I, and I may change my, my take on that, but... Um, we always reserve the right to change our mind. Sure. But that's... Superman works better as a movie than a series because you can only test Superman in so many ways because of his invincibility yeah. and his invulnerability and his power levels. That's hard to sustain on a weekly basis because, you know, is Superman going to have to like solve detective riddles kind of a thing when he can look through the wall, you know? Well, so having Superman, you've got to come up with something big to equal his, you know, his power level. And so Superman works better as a movie. Wonder Woman had a series in the 70s. Kind of stretched thin. Her power level is such well. that I think yeah. it probably works a little bit better as a movie. Um, but, you know, Batman works better as a series. He can be a detective week to week. He can solve a different mystery. He can go up against a, a, a guy or even have a three-episode arc with Man Bat or, you mm-hmm. know, Clayface or whatever all of those things are. Instead of having to come up with a movie where, all right, well, we got to make this worth our $250 million dollars. Mm-hmm. But we got we only have I was gonna say we only have two hours, but apparently we have three hours. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna go back to the days where we had to have the intermission in the middle of the show. Oh geez, no kidding. <laughs> the instrumental music playing. So that you know, the the music, you didn't like the music. No. I don't recall feeling one way or the other about the music. I think at one point I thought this is better than the than the James uh, or than the Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer it had one per- riff. Yeah. One musical like 
chord. Mm-hmm. It's really a chord that was great in the Nolan trilogy. Otherwise, I don't remember any music. It's, it's except not like that, that really. It's not like Batman where you, you not like Danny like, Elfman's. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, this one, I think my issue. This was one was it. better than the Hans Zimmer score, at least as far as me liking it as it was going along. But I've only seen it once. Yeah. But there wasn't any memorable musical motif that I'd go back to. There was more. There I was, thought there, there, was, there was this mock Nirvana song, or at least it felt like a Ava Nirvana Maria. song. It was there was Ava Maria, and then there was this Ave. Ave. Sorry, accents. <laughs> no, that they kept going back to that. But <laughs> and then and then the rest of it was just this very. Percussive, repetitive, too long for each kind of stanza of a fail. That just it felt like water. You know, was the water drop torture, or like that just annoys the crap out of you. Like, I, I, it was distracting for me. And I think I think if he had had a little bit more melody and theme in there, it would have been better. And you can still keep a lot of the percussive, but it just was distracting. To me. I was just was thinking there was some That's- actual like pop music songs in there. There's a little bit of mixed in. But one of them, I don't know if it was a Nirvana. It felt like a Nirvana early 90s grunge Mm -hmm. sound. And they played it during the trailer too. But uh, yeah, there wasn't anything musically that I thought, wow, that that really connected me. Mm -hmm. So... Those that's that's really my thoughts, you know. That that's pretty much it. Um, I I gotta get mine in before we run out of recording time. Oh, did we uh, not get all yours? Oh, sorry, I, I thought we were getting yours in all along. <laughs> nah, my I've bad. Been <laughs> um, well, just a, a few things to add and to emphasize the whole emo, angsty teenager feel. Like this kid, this guy's at least thirty-two years old. If he was twelve when when his parents were killed, like. You're not an emotionally emo, angsty teenager. You have, like, the Aunt um, Myrtle character, Dory, or whatever. They would put you in your place a bit and, like, try to get you therapy and, like, stop being so emo. And they push that to the point and kind of the gruffness of the speaking of the voice that we talked about before. I, I can't even make my voice sound like that gruff. It almost felt like a parody at times. And there was seriously a point I'm in the film I made myself laugh because it reminded me of the Batman Lego version one. And there's a song and he's like, darkness, <laughs> no parents. Like, it, it's a parody of, like, the darkness of Batman. Yeah, that that's what this this feels like. It was just too emo-y. He <laughs> can the, – the, the character of Batman, you can walk the line of being uh, self-parody. That's right? what Lego Batman did well, Which is I that loved. Batman just as a character walks that line anyway. So then him just pointing out all the ridiculousness of it. But they tried, they tried it was so serious in this one. And I, I just, I hated that. Uh, particularly like the, I love the, the car chase in general, but the way they shot it was really muddy. Like I, I want to be able to see the screen. Some of the, the contrast and stuff was off. Some of the, it was very, very dark. Um, it was hard to see at times. And I, I get kind of what they were going for. But it just made it hard to experience the story. You need to like Bruce Wayne in order to like Batman, in my opinion. And I just didn't like Bruce Wayne. And I think Robert Pattinson, he talked about how he's playing it like the freak Batman is. He has always seen Batman as a freak. So he's playing it like that. And I guess just because I've never seen Batman as a freak, I didn't like that. And I thought Alfred would have helped him out more. Is is definitely a, a big thing there. Then there's little moments that like that's not re- that's not reality. If the police pulled Batman in all the way down to Gotham, they would have taken his mask off. Like that the whole was interaction a stretch. There. That was a stretch that they didn't unmask him right there. Like it well, was... we need to respect him because he wants to be private. It's like uh... no, and of course I I linked in our little document a little video from the animated series that kind of makes fun of that. I loved 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 the mobsters. I loved how based in reality they were. Uh, I liked Catwoman, although I, I I disagree with how she is being written. I, I but like I liked I liked that the the friend Anika, that's her voice that finally kind of solves in that case. Well, and that's true. Brings, that's true. Like it's her voice. It wasn't Batman. It wasn't a man. It wasn't Catwoman. It was her voice that finally got that. Um, the whole Edward as an orphan matches a lot with. Court of Owls and Talon, and I thought that was really, really good. Um, it just – it could have used some tightening. It could have used – Shouldn't uh, his name have been Edward Nigma instead of Edward Sometimes it's Nashton, and he changes oh, it is to it? Nygma. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's different At least it there. wasn't Edward Norton. Yeah, and, so, and even sometimes they like mix in whatever, Lincoln March or whatever, and Marshall, I mean. I liked Gordon. You're a good cop. Like he was really a good cop among some crappy people. 
And then finally, when when it's revealed and and like the the bad guys are caught and the the bad cops are caught, like not all of us are are bad. Like I I thought that was like a good little little smile there. I liked there was a lot of interaction between Bruce Wayne slash Batman and the mayor's son who who went who was found his right. father dead. I liked that. That was like our only glimpse into the Bruce Wayne, and I wish we would have had more of that. And like I I think. The whole time that that just kept coming into my head was uncomfortable, uncomfortable, uncomfortable. Like that's like all I wanted to say as we left to the to the people, and and I've been struggling with that because I love the character so much. What am I uncomfortable with? Am I uncomfortable with because it's not my vision of him, or was the show just uncomfortable? And I I don't think I even have an answer now as I'm telling you about it. Well, it'll always be a little bit of it wasn't my vision for him. I right? Mean, you can't help. But take your personal feelings. Well, mm-hmm. that, but that's why you're seeing the movie in the first place right? because you have personal feelings and thoughts about the character. That's the main reason that I'm not dismissive of people who are overly liking one thing that I don't like, yeah. or are overly dismissal of something that I do like. We we all have our feelings. <laughs> Honestly, people's difficulty in reconciling what they want versus what they got <laughs> is it's universal over fandom, and I feel like hit its peak with The Last Jedi in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. That just was such a divisive thing between what people wanted from the character of Luke Skywalker versus what they got. And not to rehash something I've talked about every single (laughs) podcast possibly, but but that you going in to see Batman, you're going to go in with a thing of of who you want him to be. There's a reason you like him. So you're Mm -hmm. kind of looking for some of those cues. Did they understand the thing that I liked about Batman? That's one of my objections with Venom. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like... Sony has understood why I liked him, which is why I haven't liked it as much as the teenage boys who have no preconception and can just go in and like him as the head eating gloopy monster. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's not what made him cool. And they didn't ever do the thing that made him cool. And the closest they came was (laughs) making me think for a month after the post credit scene of uh, Venom, let there be carnage that he'd actually be in no way home. And, then they pulled the rug out from under you on that. That's okay. But that you're going to have those feelings. Anyone who wants to see Bat- the Batman to start is going to go in with some kind of – that's right. why I asked you before. Mm-hmm. What were you thinking going in and what did you think coming out? Because well, and we also know that's going to influence story. how you feel. I'm glad it wasn't an origin Me story. Too, we've, we've already seen, seen the origin. Why did you say that name? <laughs> why did you say that name? Yep. But I am vengeance. But I, I think I think you're probably representative of how a lot of people will feel when they yeah. come out of it. Maybe I am too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's going to be people who love it. I'm sure there's people who are going right? to who are just going to rave about how great it is and the action, and, and that's okay. I don't think they're wrong. Mm-hmm. I just didn't feel that myself. Mm-hmm. Well, and we also, like I said earlier, we also reserve the right to change your minds down the road. Like that. Yeah, that's maybe what's I'll so like great. it better on a second viewing. I don't know. <laughs> right? I might. I just don't know if I want to commit three hours anytime in the Mm -hmm. next while. When I saw Batman versus Superman, that one was like two hours and almost 45 minutes. That was a a long one. That was really long, yeah. But I saw that like three times because I was like, I don't know what I think of this. I need to see it again because I can't decide. That was another one of expectation versus. Mm -hmm. See, and I did enjoy that one the second time around because I knew all the what was going to happen. I was able to see all the intricacies they wove in it. So maybe we'll. We'll like that more at this one with the detective part, particularly, as we'll see all of those little elements we might have missed before. I don't know. Go see it, though. Make your own choice. Sure. <laughs> I'm not saying anybody shouldn't see it. Unless you're on the fence and you don't want to spend three hours. I'm, I can't say it's that good that you're like, no, you've absolutely got to go. Wait till it's streaming. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, like a month and a half on HBO Max. Yes. Actually, that probably is the truth. I think it's a 45-day window right now. But (laughs) Well, all right. I'm sure there's something that we didn't think of, but that's most of our thoughts about The Batman. Interested to see uh, how each of you felt after you saw it. So we'd love for you to make comments on our Facebook uh, page when we post the link to the podcast and get some feedback for how you felt about the movie, whether you disagree with us. We're okay with you disagreeing with us. We just ask that you be polite. And I'm always in favor, like, if you disagree, great, then tell me the things that you disagree with. Tell me the things that you liked and make me try to reconsider. I'm willing to reconsider things. If you can make a good argument, then maybe I'll reconsider it. Or maybe I'll I'll say, okay, that's a well-reasoned point. 
but it doesn't change how I feel about it. That's okay. Uh, I think that's what makes fandom fun Mm -hmm. is the discussions. They don't have to be arguments. They don't have to be a zero-sum game where if I'm right about my thing, then you have to be wrong about your thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm okay with uh, with a little back and forth. So Fan Effect Show, F-A-N-E-F-F-E-C-T, at uh, on uh, Twitter or on um, Facebook or even on what Instagram. else are we on? I'll do do we post anything on Instagram? Every once in a while, but I get nervous, so I'll I'll, I'll do better. I'm telling <laughs> you, you guys now, be, I'm gonna do you better. Don't have, you don't even have to put this part in. <laughs> no, but then I'll I'll be held accountable. <laughs> I'm gonna put it in. Okay. Okay. Well, Kellyanne, it was fun chatting with you again. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fan Effect. It's a KSL News Radio podcast where. Beyond sci-fi, fantasy, gaming, and tech, we are excited to share with you our knowledge and arguments on everything pop culture and fandom. We're based in the beautiful Beehive State. Fan Effect celebrates Utah's unique fan culture, and we're excited to bring you local guests that feel the same way. I'm Andy Farnsworth. I'm Kellyanne Halverson. We invite you to listen regularly on your favorite platform at kslnewsradio.com or on the KSL News Radio app. If you have a fun idea or local fan culture topic you'd like us to explore, then let us know by messaging our Facebook page that we mentioned earlier, at Fan Effect Show. Or uh, you can also just find out the nerdly stuff that uh, Kellyanne and I post on there and have have a conversation with us. We're also on Instagram, at Fan Effect Show, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. We hope to have you back again soon for another episode of Fan Effect. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.